You're listening to The Only Constant, a podcast about active hope. In today's conversation, we spoke with Karina Guerra. Using poetry, music, and plays, Karina strives to destigmatize the conversation around mental health. The world building that goes into her writing allows herself and others to gain a new perspective on mental health and people in general. Everybody experiences things differently. So like the things that I experience with my OCD are like intrusive thoughts and like a lot of the times when people are describing or depicting OCD it has to do with like germs or numerically doing things in order and stuff like that and it's just like that's really not always what it is and that's why I think a lot of people just don't like make that connection of like hey maybe this is something I'm also struggling with. Karina is also a first-generation college student with a family that is incredibly supportive and a strong love for learning. She plans on expressing her truth and inspiring others to do the same. Hopefully you find some hope today. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening today. And thank you, my friend, for coming on. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start out with your name and your pronouns. Okay. My name is Karina Guerra, and my pronouns are she, her. Okay. Wonderful. And before coming on today, you sent us a list of passions. The first passion on that list was world building in the form of writing plays and poetry and music, different things like that. So... Would you mind telling me where you got that love? Yeah. um, So my mom was actually like an author when she was younger. She used to just for fun, like write stories. And so I think growing up, she kind of like put that into the mind of like my brother and I for like creativity wise. Like she would always like help us with our essays, but then it would just be a little bit more poetic than they really needed to be. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So yeah, I think definitely a lot of it comes from my mom um, Mm. and just like the creativity that she always just like. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So how does world building play into poetry? Because I think when people hear the word world building, we think of like fantasy and Star Wars and all those things. But how does it happen in poetry for you? Well, I think that Everything that you write has some kind of something behind it. And so, like, to me, when I write poetry, it's kind of like I'm almost, like, making up this, like, imaginary, like, world kind of thing that I will reflect back on, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I'll come back to it and I'll be like, oh, okay, this is something I established already. And, like, how can I tie this into the next one? Because I like it to be, like, chronological. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when it comes to how you write music and poetry or plays, is the process similar or vastly different? Oh, I've never thought about that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to figure it out right now. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, I think that it's probably, like, I think there's some similarities and a lot of differences, too. Like, I would say that, like, the imagination aspect of it and, like, creating that kind of world and that kind of concept is similar across the board for me but like the way that I like go about actually pursuing it I guess is different Mm -hmm. and what kind of stories do you like to tell like what genre do you normally lean into uh it depends like right now I'm working on a play that like is based off my grandfather's life because I was having like 
brunch with them the other day, and I was like, what? he's crazy. Like, he's so cool. <laughs> I have no clue. Um, but, like, yeah, he he recently met his, like, long-lost brother, and now they've become, like, a huge part of our lives, and we have holidays with them and stuff, and, like, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Whoa. But he also met my Nana when they were when she was 13, and they've just, like, been together for, like, 70-plus years. It's oh my crazy. Gosh. Like, their life is so fun. And, like, <laughs> so that's, like, what I'm working on. And then previously, I've, like, done stuff that was just so, like, just metaphorical and, like, weird and fiction. And, like, so, like, yeah, it's just, like, it's just kind of what happens. So you just mentioned your grandfather being a source of inspiration for a play. But when you're looking for inspiration, or maybe you don't look for inspiration, sometimes inspiration just happens i guess that's why it's called inspiration <laughs> um what inspires you usually Ooh, good 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 uh question i've never thought about <laughs> no i'm just kidding um <laughs> uh i think it's different for like different things that mm-hmm. i'm like working on like right now i'm like super inspired by my grandpa and my family and stuff like that and like i was telling one of my friends that like i don't I want to keep my last name like forever because I never realized how much history was associated with it and how cool we are. Like that, like that's so cool. My last name means war, and I feel like that's pretty cool. Like, Whoa. Really? Yeah. Um. So, like, th- sometimes it's like family. Sometimes it's like an event that happened. Like one time, I wrote like a short story based on like a party I had gone to, and the it was just so random. Like. People were crying and like, like people were drunk and like it was just like a weird mix of things and I was like, this is funny and then like so, yeah. so it's really just a ton of different things. Hmm. Okay. And the second passion on your list was destigmatizing mental health. And before starting or before we started recording, I wanted to clarify if those two things coincided in any way, and you agreed. And I didn't know if through writing poetry and music and plays you are somehow incorporating that destigmatization in any way yeah 100 percent. i think maybe not necessarily for others but like for me especially i think that like having that creative outlet is something that comes back to how i can because even i still have like stigmas about mental health in my mind or of like should I really be talking to people about this because like do they care or or do they think that's weird or like things like that Hmm. and so having that kind of outlet where sometimes I can talk about things like that and express it is definitely helpful at least to me and hopefully I don't really show my work to other people (laughs) but like hopefully one day I will and maybe it'll help them too in a way so Hmm. yeah so when you are writing though besides it potentially touching on topics that could help with talking about mental health in a more normal way. Um, I write too, and you can't help but kind of get your own psyche in the writing sometimes, not all the time, but do you find that maybe it helps you sort of make sense of, of your own stuff and, and like maybe it, maybe it is a cathartic way to get feelings out. Oh yeah. 100%. And also on top of that, I think that, sometimes there's connections that I'll make like when I'm writing about it that I didn't think about Hmm. when I was just experiencing it, you know? Yeah. And then like writing about it, I'll be like, oh, I wonder like if it was a play, like what my character would feel like as a result of this. And then my actor brain starts working and then I'm like, 
oh wait like making all these connections and i'm like wait is this how i feel because is this character me and then i'm like (laughs) just so yeah definitely and then um yeah so the fact that you're so you're studying acting right yes okay so as somebody who's done improv uh when i write fiction i don't know if you've ever heard of the whole like planner versus pantser thing in fiction writing there's kind of two two major schools of thought which is that there's people who plan the story you make an outline it's really kind of detailed and you know exactly where the story is going to go as you're writing and then there's people called pantsers which is a terrible name i think but i but the (laughs) but they write by the seat of their pants because okay what's happening is you know they're just kind of making the stories just sort of happening as they write it yeah and they kind of just make it up on the spot and for anyone who doesn't know that much about writing, I think, and I think a lot of people would say the best techniques sometimes come from doing both. Like you have to be open to change. Anyway, what I'm saying is as an actor, do you find that when you're writing characters, you're you're really kind of like, you're almost like pretending to be them as you write them oh yeah you know what i mean yeah because when i do when i'm doing improv or when i'm writing fiction and i tend to make things up more i'll be like how the hell would this character act right now (laughs) so i'll literally like think of a line and then i'll sit in my chair and like pretend that i'm doing the scene as that character (laughs) i'm trying to write so it kind of helps me with like oh how would this person move right now and stuff do you do that yeah oh yes um (laughs) yeah like all the time i'll do that or i'll be like if i was the if like if i was the actor performing the scene like how cringy would i feel this would be right now (laughs) like so i'll think about it from that perspective but also like one of the things that i really try to focus on is how i can make dialogue natural because there's been some plays that i've read that i'm just like wow that is not how this conversation would go yeah (laughs) um and i think that a lot of the time depending on what kind of play or show it is or like what the intent of the director is really like I think that oftentimes people I guess I don't really know how I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say but I think that like yeah I think that I think of it as the character like if I were playing that role but also like if I were the character myself so sometimes I do take that acting standpoint out of it Mm. and try to think about like if I was having this dialogue or this conversation right now how would that go um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely a mix of both ways. Mm-hmm. Cool. And in terms of destigmatizing mental health and how that relates to putting yourself in another person's shoes, is it somehow, is it sometimes difficult because of how subjective, or just, uh, we'll just we'll say how different everyone's personal experience can be with mental health, right? Yeah. And the different avenues they might take to help with that. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and how, so... I guess I want to know, is it is it like normalizing mental health and like the conversation around it? Is that really what it's like the goal is? Yeah. And I think that on top of making it seem more like normal, I think that people have a, pers- a certain perspective around like certain things regarding mental health. So like I recently started going to therapy a couple months ago and I was diagnosed with OCD and like that connected everything from like my childhood and like recent adulthood, like that I just didn't think about before. And Mm. so, but like I had a conversation with someone where I was telling them about it and like their reaction was so like, 
no, you don't. Like, you don't have that. And I'm like, wait, no, like, I do. And they're like, no, like, like, no, you're not like that. And they were so defensive hmm. about it. And I was like, it was the first time I thought, oh, like, people really still think or, like, have a, a certain perception of, like, what certain diagnoses can be. Hmm. There's and a so, stigma. Like, what is OCD? Yeah, OCD looks like this only. Yeah. And so, like, you can <clears throat> you can make the conversation normal, but making it normal isn't necessarily going to change the way that people think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I want to do is, like, change the way that people perceive it so that they can be more open to, like, loving and supporting people through it because like if you don't support people that are struggling with their mental health who's going to you know like Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. need support Mm -hmm. and so i think that was like my biggest thing was like i had that conversation and i was like that is crazy like i never thought that i would talk to somebody about that and they would react that way and it was because like i talked more about it with them and they were like yeah like you don't like uh, knock on the door three times before you walk in or you don't like do these kinds of things and it's like hmm. okay so you've been watching a lot of movies and you don't know a lot about this and that's okay <laughs> like sometimes people really just need to be educated about it yeah which is 100 percent like what i want to do because it's like i'm not expecting to change the world or change people's perspective but i definitely want to at least educate them make that conversation more normal and take away that kind of stigma that they might have about what it could be or what it means or like things like that Hmm. it's really interesting that you just brought up oh you've been watching too many movies because since you're also studying acting and that goes into world building and you know potentially the discussion and normalization of mental health do you think that the media I don't even want to say the media. I guess, like, do you feel like TV shows and movies are <clears throat> showing mental health in a in an accurate way? I mean, okay, obviously, everybody experiences things differently. Yeah. So I don't think there's necessarily one right way to show a mental health diagnosis on TV. But it just raises a very interesting question, yeah. you know, because I'm just going to move that over to you. What do you think? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it's kind of hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some times where I've like, I can't think of anything in particular, but I've, I've like watched something and I've been like, wow, that was so grossly like exaggerated and like so stereotypical, you know? And it's like, it's like, sometimes it's not like that. <clears throat> Everybody experiences things differently. So like the things that I experience with my OCD are like, like intrusive thoughts and like sometimes compulsions, but it's not necessarily like everything has to be done in threes or like not necessarily compulsions about like germs and things like that. And a lot of the times when people are describing or depicting OCD, it has to do with like germs or like numerically doing things in order and stuff like that. And it's just like, that's really not always what it is. And that's why I think a lot of people just don't know necessarily about like like make that connection of like hey maybe this is something i'm also struggling with Mm -hmm. so but then other times i like gray's anatomy (laughs) i like started watching the like newer seasons and i think that like as much as i like have not like a bone to pick but as much as like i don't necessarily like love that show i think that they do a relatively good job about like showing 
what mental health like really looks like and like that scale of what it could be and like the way that they do it is like with the medical field like how doctors are affected by things like that but it's really it's applicable applicable to everybody yeah Hmm. okay Hmm. okay so I'm curious because I think Ted made a good point in terms of the oversaturation of media and blah, 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 all these different perspectives on the same thing, even though it's a very broad topic. But it's interesting to hear that, to hear your perspective because <clears throat> I wonder, because I know in the second half we're going to talk about education, all that wonderful stuff. So I don't want to jump ahead. I don't want to jump ahead, right? I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I am curious on your perspective of the, um, I guess, the the ability to give so many perspectives on the same thing and the fact that something can be grossly over-exaggerated on a TV show, you know, and you're yeah. watching that and it's like, what the heck is this? It's yeah. like, you know, but at the same time, it's like, it goes into like the resources that maybe the writers and stuff have and all that fun stuff. But what I'm curious is that when you are writing these stories, because you're, you have to think as a writer, not only as an actor too, in yeah. these situations. So when you are writing a story, do you have to take into account all of these different perspectives or is it truly just sticking to your own? I think it really depends on what story I'm trying to tell. So like if I were trying to tell a story that was more based off of my experiences, I would go more based off of the things that I've dealt with or experienced and like the um, stigmas around those things and trying to like rework that, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, also just because I have that diagnosis doesn't mean that that's how everybody's going to feel that way. So like mm-hmm. I will often try to like research it a little bit more and it's not necessarily like study in depth, but like get a, a broader feel for like how other people might also experience that too. Mm-hmm. And I wonder too, cause you were talking about the person who, you know, reacted that way toward you. It was like, yeah. no, you don't, you don't do this this way. So you're not this right. But at the same time, um, or no, I'm going to put a period, period, uh, at the end of that <laughs> statement. Um, but there's also so many, I, I, I understand the perspective that labeling something might have someone like overthink something and be like, oh my gosh, I have yeah. this thing that's wrong with yeah. me. But I think the whole point, like the point you're bringing up is that if by normalizing and destigmatizing mental health, it won't be something that's wrong with you. It's yeah. just something that's a part of you. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. I think that. That was, like, a struggle for me to find. So, like, this, like, the past spring semester, I was, like, my biggest focus was just, like, going to therapy and, like, trying to, like, struggle less. (laughs) Uh Um, And so, like, in that time, so I have OCD, I have panic disorder, and I have anxiety. Those were, like, my three top things, which, like, if you know me as a person, that's not really surprising. (laughs) 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 So, like, I found all this out about myself and I was like, oh my God, I'm like terrible and everybody's going to hate me. <laughs> and Aww. like, and really it was just like, I just didn't know enough about it. And yeah. so I think that like learning more about it um, definitely is like helping me, but also helping me want to help others too. And so like learning that about anxiety, like everybody has some kind of perspective about what anxiety is, but like, it can manifest so differently in so many other people. Mm. So to me, it's like as an actor, I like walk into class and I'm like, I, yay, <laughs> happy day. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> trying to be so extroverted and stuff. And it's like, really? That's not me. But like that's like a, a cover up so yeah. that like people can't really tell how anxious I am. Mm. Um, right. So I think that like 
during my time of like really exploring it, I found out a lot about like what it really means and how it's so different for everybody. Like my anxiety can be so different for you or for you and like the ways that you guys react to anxiety. Maybe you get quieter. Maybe you don't do anything. <laughs> like the, mm-hmm. I've definitely experienced oh, that Oh, I too, get quieter. So. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, my, it's interesting because mine – in certain situation, it manifests physically depending yeah. on the stakes, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's always my gut. I'm always yeah. like, ooh, I'm getting a little shaky down there, yeah. you know? But I do really appreciate, though, your willingness to be transparent about your own experience with mental health. Yeah. Um, and like being open with that discussion, I feel like is so important because I feel like you are actively contributing to the destigmatization and normalization of this conversation. So yeah. I well, appreciate thank you. That. That's a compliment. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, uh, I think that's a great place to wrap up for the second half. Yeah. We'll uh, see you guys soon. Bye. We'd like to take a second to shout out our monthly patrons. Thank you to Aaron B, Christina S, Corbin G, Dan W, Mimi S, Kareem A, and Luciano B for their continuous support of the podcast. Everything we do on this show wouldn't be possible without the generous support of listeners like you. Consider joining us on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can support the podcast and help us even more in the conversation about active hope. Now, back to the episode. Hello, everyone, and we are back. Karina, I want to open up this second half with the fact that you are a first-generation college student. Yeah. And how has that been? The eventful. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> um, like, the the whole, like, admissions process was, like, so crazy because no – so no – my parents both attended a little bit of college but didn't finish. And my brother is, like, very – Oh, I'm going to butcher this word. Entrepreneurial. I can't say that he's word. An, <laughs> he's an entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. I cannot say that word. Um, entrepreneurial. It's so funny, though, because like, most people would just like try to pronounce it and then move on. It makes it so much funnier when you do that. It, great. It's awesome. Because um, we can relate. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so he's like been working and like owning his own businesses since he was younger than I am. So Whoa. that's crazy. Wow. Like, He's I, really entrepreneurial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I remember when he was like 15, he like made a small business, like s- building longboards. Like that oh. was so cool. Now that's sick. sick. Like, I you love know, in my adulthood, I can admit how cool my brother is. So whatever. Ah, but um, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he never, he, went down the like business route didn't attend college so like and when my parents did it was many years ago i don't want to say how many because they'll be mad at me and i'm like not trying to call them old but (laughs) it it was like they didn't do it digitally so yeah uh and that was like crazy and i like didn't have like a lot of experience and my family didn't either so like none of us knew what we were doing Mm. um my one of my best friends is actually a year well so he's two years older than me but he is a year ahead of me in school um he took a gap year and he was auditioning for bfa programs and so i learned a lot about that from him but also i was too like scared and also my ego didn't want to let me like ask him for that 
Um, and so I was like, what do I want to do? Do I, do I want to be an actor? Do I want to be a lawyer? Do I want to study film? Do I want to study music? And I was like, I want to do all of them. So I'm going to apply to all these schools and do all of this. And, and, uh, that, yeah. So Florida State was the first, the only school I auditioned for the BFA acting program. Now I'm here and I love it. Um, but like that whole process was so crazy because nobody knew what we were doing. We just kind of like went by the due dates and then like hoped for the best. But didn't you get accepted in like some other school for something like really good? I got well. <laughs> right. I remember yeah, we talking like, about what, it. Yeah. Yeah, like several. Not, but not BFAs. Well, but whatever. I'm not not specifically for acting. It was yeah. something different. What was it? Uh, I got into NYU for theater education. That was nice. like my biggest flex. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. If you get into NYU for anything, you're smart as hell. So. Well. Boom. Ah, wow, that's so crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. a second compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, and I was going to go there, and I was like, yeah, NYU. And then, so I got in for a theater education, and I got into a secondary major for their film program. Um because you had to put two different things in case they couldn't accept you the first. I don't know. Um, so you got into their film school too? Like film study. So it wasn't oh, okay. like I... It wasn't Tish. No. Okay. No, it wasn't Tish. Um, <laughs> just to make sure he's not complimenting Listen, you. I, had, <laughs> yeah, I gave you, I gave you the one compliment. I had to bring you down a little bit. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. You're uh, even down. Not out. that cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so... That, that I was like, oh, I'm gonna go there. But like, always wanted to go to New York, and yeah. then it was like eighty four thousand dollars, and they wouldn't offer me scholarships. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Holy moly. Um. But so as, as far as being a first generation college student, and your passion behind that, and for it, um, I want to know how that continues to drive you forward because this is a very interesting major that you're in as far as being a BFA actor at Florida State University, um, and it's even it's it's i'll just stick with the fact that it's very different from my experience because the fact that your faculty members and the people who are instructing you to do these things are pretty much completely different from the people who taught me so i want to know what your experience has been like thus far and what it's like i'm sure it's interesting not being able to necessarily um rely on or or relate with anybody else in your family who also had that like quote-unquote college experience right so you're really having to steer this boat by yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's so many things, too, that my family, like, really is invested and they want to learn more about, but they're like, what? Like, I was working on, like, my voice exercises at home one day and I was, like, undulating my spine and my dad, like, walked in the room and he was like, I don't even know what to say to you. And I was like, I'm sorry. I, like, <laughs> I know this looks weird. So, like, there, there's tons... Or, like, working on my movement projects and, like, it, them watching me and being like, should we clap? Like, <laughs> yay! <laughs> I'm like, thank you for supporting me. <laughs> so, yeah, like, it's very different from, like, anything that they've experienced and also like just theater in general like my so my parents both when they met they were both living in New York so they were going to see Broadway shows like often so it's not like they're a stranger to theater but there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes that like you don't really see as an audience member and so their exposure to that now as I'm studying it is like mind-blowing to them yeah um they're definitely like 
you're crazy. I don't know what you're doing. What are we paying for? And I'm like, ah, you're paying I don't know. <laughs> for this movement that you're yes, watching. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you're paying it to, yeah. <laughs> no, that's really cool, though. And I know being friends with actually like a lot of BFA people. Yeah. I, you know. It's it's actually such a cool education you guys get. Yeah. And Caleb has said it many times. You kind of just learn how to be a human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I consider it like you basically just like have like these training wheels, and you know, and you kind of have these different pairs of shoes that you can put on. But yeah. you have those training wheels to still rely on. It's like, hmm, what pair of shoes fits me best? You know. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. A really good way of like that was yeah. Well, I I well I just think it's so interesting that it's like you get a degree in pretending yeah. to be somebody else. Let's be frank, you're playing pretend. You know, and yeah. it's just how seriously you take it. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know? like the yeah, stakes behind that. Yeah, and there's definitely that. different degrees of that and like how right. like especially just like like i came in and i was like yeah i'm so committed to this i'm like so ready and then i was like i am not as committed as any of these other people are like how do i step up my game like <laughs> yeah. I, and well especially like coming from like a lot of the students come from art schools and so this is something that they've been doing relatively professionally for a decent amount of time yeah and my high school was great my troop was great and I had a great experience, but we weren't in art school. Weren't you like the president? I was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't. T- don't. Another <laughs> compliment. <laughs> don't make me sound so Did cool. you guys go to state? <laughs> I did go to state. Did you win anything? <laughs> I did win. Okay, no, another compliment. Kidding. Another compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I went to nationals too and that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, so, like, our th- even though I was, like, highly invested in our program, it wasn't necessarily, like, at that level. Yeah. And so, like, the kind of theater that we were making was just people that were really passionate about it because you had to be to be part of our program because our program was so small. Mm. And, like, not by choice, but there were – at my school, it was hard to find people that were that, that invested in that. Um, so I definitely think that, like – yeah, I mean, just be, like see, coming in and seeing how everybody had different levels of education or different kinds of experience. And then you kind of get like imposter syndrome, like, should I be here? <laughs> like, the, we're like actually really good at like, like our school is like actually like renowned for this. Like, do I belong here? But I feel like a lot of people project too. Or like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Not, I, th- I feel like. You know, or maybe they just been doing it so long that I, I was in a position where I kept doing it because I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there yeah. was just those people skills that I relied on after the fact. But yeah. frankly, when I was doing it, I was like, I felt like it was a job when I was doing it, which is so interesting because some people be really passionate about it, yeah. you know, and they'll, they'll grow up their, or they'll go their entire lives like training and loving, yeah. this, like training for and yeah. loving performing on the stage. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like years like uh, i think like one of the first days in our like acting class last year they were like let's talk about like um different ways that you learn to like mark a script or mm-hmm. like uh oh my gosh i'm like forgetting it but i swear i'm a good student <laughs> but like going through like your monologue and like marking mm-hmm. your monologue i guess yeah, and yeah, like yeah. we all gathered into groups and my group was like <laughs> Did we learn about this? And then another group was like, this, this, this. And we were like, 
I have never heard about in my entire life, but that's so cool. Hmm. And so it's like some people have really been doing this for years. And then it's like I started in eighth grade Mm -hmm. and I was always doing like somewhat theatrical things when I was younger. But like actually my first musical was Once Upon a Mattress Junior in middle school and I was homeschooled. So it wasn't even middle school I went to. And then everyone was like, I played Queen Agravain. And they were like, nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And they were like, she's, they kept doing the like mean girls thing. Like, she doesn't even go here, like (laughs) bullying me about like getting that role and not going to the school. And so, like, that was my first experience with theater. I bet none of those people were presidents of their theater troupe. Yeah. Actually, no, they weren't. So, (laughs) I have one more question about you being uh, a first generation college student. Yeah. So, we just talked, we talked a lot about, you know, you can't necessarily relate. Your parents can't necessarily always relate to what's going on yeah. in your education. But have you met other students in college who are first-generation college students at all? Yeah. And what have you related to with them? What What are some things you guys tend to yeah. bond well, over? Well, I think the biggest thing is really just, like, because we – this past school year we were all freshmen, so, like – the biggest thing on our minds was like the whole admissions process and like finally actually getting to a school. Yeah. So I think mostly what we would talk about is like how much of a struggle that was for us. And then another big thing is like finances, like financially what it costs to like go to school as a student and like how people really don't know about it until it's there and like scholarships for first gen students. But there's all these like limitations and requirements that you have to meet that kind of make it almost like you can't really get that scholarship even Mm -hmm. though it's applicable it's just like ooh, can you really do that you know so it's like there's tons of different like behind the scenes things that you experience as a first gen student that like some people are much more fortunate to have that kind of like guidance from their parents or like from uh like figures like that in their life but Mm -hmm. like sometimes as a first gen student it's not because you're like your parents or your parental figures don't want to it's because they can't yeah, And so mm. I think that's one of the biggest things that we always talk about. Hmm. Well, I feel like this works as a perfect segue to <laughs> your passion for education <laughs> as a whole, because in that same regard, though, you can be like what your parents can't be for you right now in oh, your yeah, college yeah. experience. Yeah. You can be that person for someone else. else yeah. Right. And I feel like that leads directly into your passion for education, because I feel like that just directly applies toward using your experience to help others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. And so wh- is that... I mean, clarify, I guess, for me, what ex- exactly makes you passionate about education and educating others? Yeah. So I, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do, like, as a major in college, I was thinking about, like, what I was actually, like, the most passionate about. And I was like, I want to be a teacher. And then everyone was like, being a teacher sucks. Don't do it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but I want to be a teacher. <laughs> and so, like... I think that was one of the biggest things for me was, like, if I were to teach, like, what would I teach? And then I was like, okay, well, English was always my thing. Like, I was always, like, studying writing and literature and stuff like that. So maybe I'd be, like, an English teacher. And then I was like, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) And then I was, like, thinking about it, and I was like, okay, wow, I'm, like, actually really passionate about theater. Maybe I want to be a theater teacher. And so even though I'm studying, like, a BFA in acting, my ultimate goal is to one day become an educator for theater. Um, whether it's like in a public school or like an educational uh, like leader in like a community theater or something like that. Mm. So 
education as a whole, like literal the word, literally the word education. Like I'm passionate about that educating others but also just like little things that I learn about in life that I'm like that's so cool someone would enjoy this and like I'll randomly say like a like a fun fact and I'm like is that embarrassing should I not be doing that anymore (laughs) but it's like like to me it's like it's so cool other people need to know this and so I think like in like every aspect really just like I like I don't want to be like oh I I was born to educate others but like I think that everyone has something to learn, including me, which is why I love learning. Like I love being educated and I love educating. Mm -hmm. And on that same note, I would say that someone has something they can educate everyone else on as well. Oh yeah. You know, like everyone can learn something. Everyone can teach something in some way, you know, um, I personally don't have any more questions for you, Ted. Well, I I was just going to piggyback off of what you were saying about education, which is like, Every time you learn something new about the world, it kind of, it's like some clouds, some mist sort of parts a little (laughs) bit. And it's like the world is that much bigger. Yeah. Because, and like history is something I'm very passionate about. So I love learning about history. Yeah. And it's like every time I learn something new about history, like the puzzle pieces of the world kind of like, you find another one, you're like, oh my God, it makes sense why that's like that now. (laughs) So I guess that's just my little monologue about why I think people should also learn things when they can. Oh yeah, 100%. It's funny that you say that because I recently watched the movie Oppenheimer, (laughs) which I've been nonstop talking about. So maybe that's funny for you, I don't know. It was so good. So like I like when I went to go see that movie, I like walked out of the theater and I was like, my life has changed in the most like dramatic way because like cinematically, it's like one of the best movies I've ever seen. But also, I learned about Oppenheimer in school. I learned about like the history of the atomic bomb and like all of these different things, and I never, it never clicked for me like mm. ever and then i watched that movie and i was like oh my god my life has changed everything makes sense now and like it was so dramatic for like a movie about an atomic bomb i guess well, it's, but it's like you, but it's you really feel the weight of how that yeah. changed the world and yeah it's cool yeah and also kind of scary but it's and it's it makes you think which is a good thing yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. and then like seeing barbie i saw barbie right before it like barbenheimer um (laughs) did the double feature dressed up and everything but (laughs) like even in barbie there's so many things that you learn about like i didn't know that she had named have you seen barbie no okay have you seen barbie yes Sorry, I'm being like an anti-person right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, how much Caleb, do I want to disclose? Do you but... exist? <laughs> <laughs> Underneath a rock. <laughs> I feel like often I'm like, have you seen this movie? And you're like, mm, no. So that's just wow. you at this point. I think. You just got called out. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, but uh, like the, this is a little bit of a spoiler. Okay. Um, I had no clue that she like named the Barbies after her daughter, Barbara. Mm-hmm. And so like thinking about that, it's like, like Barbies did kind of change the world if you think about it like I grew up playing with Barbies Mm. I used to like wash her hair in the sink and then accidentally like cut it all off because I thought it would grow back and like be a hairdresser for a minute you know like (laughs) so like so many people have played with Barbies in their life and then you think about what it might be like for the inventor of Barbie to like know that thousands millions maybe of people are like playing with something that was like her brain baby i guess yeah. and like named after her literal daughter like that's so crazy that's how legacy me. 
Yeah, like, and I never would have thought about that. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. So now that we're at the end of the episode, I have one final question for you, which is, how have the passions that you've talked about or just things you do in general changed the world around you? How do you change the world around you regularly? You know, I think that people change the world around them just by existing sometimes. And I think that, like, sometimes I'll put that kind of pressure on me of, like, how can I do something that matters today? And I have to think more about the fact that, like, everything I do matters at some point, you know? And I think part of that is, like, the anxiety that I have of, like, what is my life and how do I live it? (laughs) And then it's, like, no, like, every single person, like, every step that they take does something to the world, I guess. And so I think that, like the ability that I have to be imaginative and be creative and do those kinds of things and and learn things and educate other people is like how is like my contribution to the world I guess and maybe it's like somewhat selfish because it's all things that I like enjoy doing or experiencing but really I think that like people's passions are going to be the biggest way that they're going to like contribute something in a way that they want to like Mm -hmm. in a way that they have full authority over i guess Mm -hmm. and so like to me that's what those things mean to me like i can have the full authority that i want over them and i can use that authority that i have to try to positively impact others around me Mm. gotcha okay i love that i'm like did that answer it yeah Yeah. (laughs) absolutely you kidding that was awesome um, thank you so much again for coming yeah, on today. Like, this was me. great. Seriously. This was Yay. a wonderful conversation. And honestly, it really worked out in terms of scheduling. It was super like last minute and short notice, um, kind of. And frankly, it worked out quite well. You know, yeah. you literally just came back up today I did, to yeah. Tallahassee. So I'm glad oh, that it wow. all worked out. Yeah. Oh yeah. She had a whole drive today. It was insane. Yeah. But seriously, for those of you listening, that was Karina Guerra. And that was also a wonderful conversation. Thank you. (laughs) And hopefully, you found some hope today. Thanks for listening to The Only Constant. We show how people use their passions to change the world around them every day. To learn more about our mission, visit OnlyConstantPodcast.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at OnlyConstantPodcast to see even more and stay updated with the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Spotify, leaving a review or rating for the podcast helps us learn what's working and what's not. We value your feedback. Hopefully, you found some hope today.